Heavenly King Comforter, the Spirit of Truth, present everywhere and filling all things, the treasury of good and giver of life, come and dwell in us and cleanse us from every impurity and save our souls, gracious one. Χαίρετε. Rejoice. I want to apologize because my, my English is not perfect. I learned some centuries ago, last century really, I learned in the school for two years English. But in our monastery we have a lot of English speakers, so I can... I think I can communicate with you, and this is really what we came to to experience this night, communication. On the other side, I would like to tell you that, uh, to remind you that with me, uh, I am not the bodyguard of Sister Theolipti, um, but I am the abbess of the monastery where she found the place where she can glorify God. And I think that this is something which fills you also joy, because she was one that you know, one of you. Today we visited the bishop, and he saw us one picture where he, with proudness, told us that all of you, that today you are successful adults here in Australia, you were together as youth, uh, uh, and you had so many beautiful activities which made you to be what you are today. <clears throat> so we came here really not to give talks. This, I think... Um, you have to know. We came here just to know you. To know, first of all, the um, family of the sister and her spiritual family. That's why we are very glad to be with you. And because we are asked to say uh, some words, I think that what we have to say, it is not words of science or words which are far from you, but some experience for our monastic life which we think that they are a message for everybody. Uh, first of all, we are from this monastery you see on the picture, which is belongs to the um, diocese of uh, Dimitrias, the main town, the base of the bishop is Volos, but we are really very close to Larissa. Our monastery is a monastery which is created from a saint, Saint Damianos, who is not very well known and I think not yet known from you to you, but uh, he was a martyr who, before his martyrdom, he was hermit on that mountain. 
In our monastery, we live about 20 plus nuns, and we are from 12 different countries. Some information you can read really better than to tell you. And what I could, uh, I would like to tell you, it is that monastic family, every monastery is a family, is a bigger family uh, by the number of the people they are living together, but this is what I would like to share with you. What is this family and how... What, what is the message that could give this family to you, that you are really people with families? Our monastery, you see the old monastery, we have two buildings. One is the, the monastery which is created from uh, St. Damianos, as I told you, the hermit, which we try to restore last year and you see some pictures how it was and how it is now and these are our beloved fathers who from the 15th century uh, were the Kinovion that we now are asked from God to continue to be <clears throat> This is the old monastery, the altar of the old monastery. And this is Bishop Makarios. It's a bishop who is held bishop of the Patriarch Bartholomeus, who was with us last year when we uh, opened the monastery for first time after 100, of, 100 years. I don't know if you, if you, if we, will we continue with uh, texts or with pictures? I think that it's not uh, too much for you that we, while we, you hear something, you just see something. Um, so every monastery is a big family. And what I would like to tell you, uh, to take with you at home, it is that this family has some some characteristics of the everyday life which I think it is useful to have every family. It doesn't matter how big it is. First of all is the common prayer. We begin our life with common prayer. Five o'clock in the morning we have common prayer and before the lunch we have common prayer. After the lunch we have common prayer. Midday, afternoon, evening we have common prayer. I think that common prayer is something which related the family, our family, so your family, and also relate us with Jesus Christ, with God, with relates heavens and earth. So this is something which we, we realize that it is a little bit forgotten in the families. 
in the in the in the world and we just want to tell you that it would be so good to come back to this custom at least once a day to have common prayers in the families something else which is very important for our lives in the monastery is the liturgies the liturgical life and the liturgy not only as an event which may puts us together and give us the opportunity to be together for a couple of hours every week but as an opportunity to be related through the communion and of course communion needs a preparation and this preparation is again something which relates the family which makes the family to be together not only for the common things of the everyday life but to just have Jesus Christ in the middle and relate the members of the family with such a big sacrament which is to share Jesus Christ the preparation of course is this uh, the sacrament of metania and this sacrament exomologizi confession and this sacrament you know it's such a gift such a present that we have from god in our life because it empty us it makes us new it makes us it gives us it gives us strength to go on and in our monastery if you ask the sisters who came from other churches or denominations what was the the why you came to orthodoxy the first you will hear it is we came to to orthodoxy because we were very touched from the sacrament of metania and this is something which relates us also because we have a, 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 the same day we have uh, all of us all the members of the community we have confession from time to time and this is something which makes us new and we try then empty from everything you know here i saw you have certain days and you are very very uh, punctual to bring out these baskets with your rubbish and this you you do it very correctly because i i think i suppose there is a punishment or there is something which will cost you for example it will cost you that they will not empty this until the next week so for this material which if it it keeps in these baskets it will begin to to smell terrible we have such a punctuality for all of this what we have in our heart in our soul that it will uh, smell also very terrible if we could smell it how beautiful it is to have the opportunity to empty from the sins 
And we are very glad to, to see how beautiful organized and how many good priests we, you have in this second patrida of yours here, where you made already roots and you um, are <coughs> living your everyday life. So I don't know what is your customs, but something from the monastic experience, it is that it is the best what can happen to every Christian, to every Orthodox Christian, is the confession. Something which is very, very important in the monastery is love. Something else, it is trust. Every person who has the desire to live with God has first to approach trust, trust to him. But for this, need someone else, need someone to open the gate and open the road, a road which can lead you with help to God. So trust is before love, and love is before trust. This they have to be woven together in order to be a good monk, but it, the same thing you have to weave when you have a partner, when you have a, a person with whom you are married or you live to, and you live together and you have a family. And this trust, it is to the spiritual, a spiritual guide. Everybody needs a spiritual guide. And uh, you probably ask, what is the spiritual guide in a women's monastery? In the women's monastery, the spiritual guide is the abbess, the, the, the igumeni, the leader of this monastery. The person who was pupil before you, pupil to another abbess, to another older elder, as you can better <clears throat> understand what I mean. The same is in your life. You have to have a spiritual guide, someone with whom you have a healthy relationship, a relationship which is not this uh, type of, uh, I will uh, disturb this person every moment to ask if I will put salt on the <clears throat> fried eggs or not, but someone who in the, in the very essential questions for your life can hear you, first of all, and can give you this love which you feel and you immediately with it, with the love, the trust, and also his prayer, her prayer. In the women's monastery, we have the abbess. In the men's monastery, there is the abbot, and we have, of course, experienced that this is the only way that all of us, if we are in the family of, uh, as monastics, this bigger family, or if we are in the 
smaller family, your families, we have the experience that this is the only way that we can go over or we can be pushed a little bit in the difficulties or we can, we know the way to just enjoy the good time that God has for us. <clears throat> I think that you are you heard some things and you see some things and I think that the best to continue is to to have some questions from you. <laughs> this was what I wanted to share with you, how many things from the monastic life you can um, take with you to experience it in your everyday life and please, if you like to to have a conversation or to have a dialogue I think it is the best way to to continue so who has a question <laughs> yes hello Carlos um, uh, what uh, how did you come to become a nun, uh, yeah. Me personally, yes. You know, when I was a child, I used to say to my mother, "I would marry with a, a nigger, a, a black man, and I will have twelve children." I, you know, I, um, I, I heard in the school this uh, <clears throat> law of Mendel, if you remember. And I was very interested that I, I could have three black children, three white children, and six black and white. So I, I used to tease my mother that this, uh, this will be my future. And, of course, she was sometimes angry, sometimes uh, she ignored me. Um, <clears throat> you know, I don't think that um, there is a type of people that they become monks or nuns. I think that this is a, this is a an answer sometime in your in your life you feel that something which uh, is in front of you it's not enough. I felt that this life that I saw from my parents my parents were very 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 good parents they had a lot of love. But uh, <clears throat> I felt this is not enough. I think also when I was a child, I expressed this with these 12 children. But after I studied and I worked and I was traveling, I thought there is two possibilities. What I learned and what I managed to reach and which... It was something beautiful very quickly in my life. I had open doors easily. I thought, what a beautiful idea to offer all of this to Christ and just be unknown nun somewhere. And I, I understood that this is interesting to get to know. And at the same time, I, it it uh, happened to me, I mean, God had this providence for me just to get to know my uh, one spiritual father who 
was a monk and I was very jealous that he because I found on his or him on him someone who preached and did what he preached. So this was something which I began to cultivate, but I I have to tell you that this becoming a monk is a big being in love. And you know, if you are in love, I don't know if you remember, the first symptom is that you have a very big telephone bill. <laughs> so I had also a very big a very big telephone bill. I used to call to the monastery Every, I was in Germany studying and I was every Saturday. I, they didn't have telephone when I went telephone in the monastery. And the abbess of the monastery, I became a nun. She had to walk half hour to the village in order to wait for my telephone call because I couldn't, I couldn't go on without having this uh, growing in this relationship. So, my personal experience is so simple. From the moment I um, decided to say yes to God, I, you know, some people that they know me some days now, uh, they will, <laughs> they will think they will agree with me. I am a person who decides very quickly, but not quickly, and I'm very stubborn. What I decide, I have to do it. And, you know, there is one professor in the university in Athens that uh, she did her doctorate studying my stubbornity, my pisma, when I was in the kindergarten, in the, in the, little, in the school for the little children. So this is positive, in a way, because... To tell you the truth, monastic life, I don't know what you think about monastic life, but it is not a life that you just uh, have everything ready and uh, the heavens open every now and then and everything comes, grace comes and everything. You have to struggle. And in the world you have also to struggle. This is also common with monastic life. The difference is that in the world... You try very often, often, you try to forget where you are going, what you are, what you are doing. And just, you, you just go on and you forget. Or you have, you create your family and you create this family with love, with, and it comes quickly, this, um, slowly this creation. You have one person, near you, then a second, a third, a fourth. In the monastery, you just find a community, a family, and you have, first of all, the first what you have to do is to know yourself. To just know yourself, whom we don't know. We know ourselves in the difficulties. You know ourselves in the, how we share joy or pain. So, this was my journey. If you ask Sister Theolyptis, she will say, I heard from uh, the television <laughs> that exists this monastery. <laughs> and I had the desire to go to see how these people from, we are from 12 different countries. How do they live together, carrying their own 
the DNA of them, but also their culture, their habits, their uh, past, and their language, their type of eating. Their, their. And this is also a calling. But, you know, if, you know, monastic love to monastic life, it is like, do you know this fly tse you know the fly tse it is a fly that if it comes to to bite you it never it doesn't go so this is also uh, the love of monastic life <laughs> if god bites you it will carry you where it has to be <laughs> another question thank you um Throughout my life, I've been reading the lives of saints and lives of monks and nuns, and I've noticed that when I do read the Synaxarion, there are many male monks who live hermetic life, eremites. Mm-hmm. Can a female nun also live a hermit's life? Because I, I tend to read a lot about hermits, but I never hear a female monk, a, a, sorry, a female uh, nun le- le- living a life. Recently, we have Saint Sophia, if you heard from her, she was a hermit, Saint Sophia, from Klisura, if you heard about her. Uh, to tell you the truth, female hermits, you have to understand that if you become a nun or a monk, you don't forget that you are a woman or a man. So for a woman who has this character that you know, is a, is a person who is very strong, but is afraid, is a person, every woman is uh, a great, can be a great person, but weak on some, somehow weak. And also through the centuries, sorry to tell you, but the men misused the women. We don't think, I mean, we don't see that they, they choose this type of hermetic life that you know from, for the men. They are a lot of, uh, you know, you can't be hermit, but you can belong to a community that supports you, that is there when you need a uh, technical help and you can be hermit in your heart in the middle of uh, the world so they are women I believe they are women that they live hermitic life and they can be among you such women but we don't you know really we don't know for so many women saints are as for uh, men, sense, generally. It is really because many women, they became saints under a, a men's monastery in the past. But I don't know if it, you know, in the monastic life, you don't distinguish the struggle, the spiritual struggle is not different for a man or for a woman. It is the same struggle, but the man experiences this struggle as man and the woman as woman. 
We don't, um, yes, and I wanted also to, to tell you that don't forget how is the, the history, in the history, what was the role of the man and the role of the woman, the women. The men, they were more free to decide for themselves. It comes back to the history. A lot of things, they were different for the women. But they are hermits, they are, uh, they are very great women. First of all, you know, uh, Saint Evgenia, for example, she was an abbess of 2,000 men. Saint Evgenia. So this is what I wanted to tell you <laughs> about this question. Another question. Hi. Uh, I just wanted to ask if you could tell us about Saint Evgenia, that's all. <laughs> um, the, her story. Uh, I don't remember all the details, but she was... Uh, was that the nun that um, got dressed as a, a monk? Sorry? Was Saint Evgenia that... She was hidden in a, in a men's monastery. Yeah. She was hidden as a woman in a men's monastery. She was very ascetic very spiritual, and when the, the abbot died, they vote for her to be the abbot because they didn't know that she was okay. a woman. Yeah. And I tell you, she, she dealt very well with the 2,000 monks. Oh. <laughs> you know, I think that 2,000 monks, they... They count, they are... They, they, they are the difficulties of 2,000 monks, they are like the difficulties of 20 nuns. They are equal. <laughs> Sometimes when I am very tired in our monastery, I said, the next what I will do in my life is a men's monastery. <laughs> and what do you think of Australia, of Victoria here? Excuse me? What do you think about Victoria, your visit here? Do you understand. like do you like Victoria? Oh, this place. This place. This place, this yeah, place. yeah. Or you Melbourne, know, or, yeah. I like everything in the life. <laughs> I like yeah. everything. And I think it's a beautiful place. It, it is like a paradise, this place that you chose to come. I am thinking that um, you played a very great role. You, we, you Greeks and the emigrants generally played a very great role um, of the, the what what happened in Australia. How is Australia today? I think mm. you played a very great role because we thought when you you read in the in the lexicon about Australia, you learn that it is a country that it is discovered about 280 years ago. But it, it was discovered from people that they carried with them their civilization. And this, this was already there. So I think that Australia owes to the emigrants, to, to, to you all and your parents and grandparents, uh, owes what it is today. Mm. Of course, as I, I understand that it's a very huge uh, continent, that's why I compare it with paradise. I think that paradise 
could be like that. <laughs> Have everything. Always the fruits, always uh, goods, and it depends on, on you how to use the paradise. <laughs> yes. Sorry, can you say it once more? Could you tell us a little bit about praying and how we should be praying as common people apart from our Father and Mm -hmm. the liturgies? Uh, How should we pray? Yes, first of all, you have a little pray book which is uh, uh, made from the Greek Orthodox Church which, to tell you the truth, we have a lot of copies in our monasteries and we use them, we give them to families. Uh, there you can find prayers for morning, for evening, and so on. I would, uh, I would like to tell you that we pray very much with Jesus' pray in the monasteries. And Jesus' pray, according to St. Gregory Palamas, is not the prayer which is only for monks. It is for everybody. And this is so, so easy to put it in your life, to have it in, in your heart, and to, to experience it. To, for example, you, I don't know how you go to, the, to, to your works every day, or how you spend your time in the bus, or in the train, or in your car. You could use Jesus' pray all the day. In, of course, you, you, you have some uh, duties. I don't think that it's good that you are dreaming Jesus' pray. Just to put it in your life and to give some time for Jesus' pray and also with your children. Children love very much to, to learn Jesus' pray. And it's not to learn this big form, just Kirimoni Suchriste, Lord have mercy on me, sinner, or something. Uh, on the other side, if you are beginning to, to experience Jesus' pray, one way to be familiar with it, it is to give some time with uh, giving a, a special tone, so to say, or a special interest to each word. If we say Jesus pray in Greece, in Greek, we say Kyrie, you understand me all, Kyrie, Imon, Isu, Christe, Eleison me. First of all, if you say Kyrie, Kyrie, you can say for some time Kyrie, Imon, Isu, Christe, Eleison me. And then after some, some, Months, you can say Kyrie imon Iisu Christe eleisome. And then to say Kyrie imon Iisu Christe. And for each one of these words, to just deepen who is Lord, who is Jesus, who is our, why our. This is something which I could uh, tell you that this is for all of us. For all of us, we use also in the monastery when we have um, we have a, a common work to do. Because probably you saw some pictures. We in our monastery we 
we um, work, I mean, it is a monastery that uh, exists uh, from, its, from its work. We just have, we have animals, we have it. We make cheese, we make soap, we, we make our, our uh, herbs, we make our um, salad, our, we don't buy except of shoes, we still buy shoes, we still buy material, but probably in a little while we will have something to, for this. But anyway, during the work, we used to, to say in turns, Jesus pray. And children love this. When they visit us, families with children, we put them to work with us and they experience that and they love it. But I have to I have also a question to you. Do you know to make prosphora? How many people here you know to make prosphora? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Do, did you teach prosphora to your children to make prosphora? Who to teach to, 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 to the children? So I know nobody. But I suggest you something. Teach to your grandchildren. They will love it. They will love it. And we all, I think, we learn from our grandmother to make prosphora. Most of us. Children, they love it. And this is the, the hope for our church. The moment we don't have prosphora anymore and the moment we don't have wine, it is a danger. So, do it. Another question. Can others from outside come and stay there, like they do? Mount, the guy, the men can go to Mount Athos and spend weeks and months there to clear their heads and. I didn't understand learn. the beginning. I didn't understand the beginning of your question. Excuse can pe- can women like us yes. come to the monastery, yes. any monastery in Greece, and stay there for a few weeks or months if we need to stay? Mm-hmm. And, and live the life that you live without necessarily becoming a nun just so they can clear their heads and be <laughs> in peace within themselves? I think I, I cannot answer for all the monasteries. I can answer for our monastery. Yeah. In our monastery we have a small, uh, a small guest house, so to say, a place uh, with 15, 15 bed, beds, and you are very welcome, all of you, to have the experience for a couple of weeks or three weeks or four weeks uh, to have the experience. And, you know, I propose to you also something. If you are, if you are married, you can uh, send your husbands to Mont Athos and all the women come to us. <laughs> so you are very welcome. And, and do the nuns there, I mean maybe just your monastery, do they get involved in helping the community, outside the community, like the poor or uh, help? Our monastery is 1,100 meter high on a oh. mountain. The, commu- the first community is four kilometers far away from our monastery, 
and in that community they live 15, they, they live less people than we are. Oh, okay. So Fair they enough. live 15 people about that they are uh, older than 75 years old. <laughs> uh, it is, this is something else, but I, I would like to tell you that the orthodox traditional monastic life is very open to the people to come but it is not like in the West that the nuns or the monks, they go to the, to the world, so to say. It is more the tradition that people come to the monastery. Uh, this, is, uh, this has, uh, has, it's not only a tradition. It, is, it, it has a name, all of this. Because as you said before, could we come to to share your life in order to be quiet and to understand something inside ourselves. This is the aim. You come to the monastery, first of all, you choose it to come as a guest because you want it. It is not that you are obliged to. And that's why if you do something that you want, that you wish, it is really something which you decide in freedom. And this is very important to do it like that. So we have this small guest house. Please organize a little group or come alone or write to us. We have, we have email, we have telephone. You can arrange to come for sometimes to experience our life. But I, 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 I tell you that they are exceptions. Monasteries really, they are there for everybody. We are open from sunrise to sunset. We are open to everybody, and any person, any time, can come. Uh, not only for for a moment, but for more. And it is it is something. Our monastery is on the mountain, and it has one light. This light is shown from all Larissa. Larissa has three hundred thousand inhabitant and this light is not only a security light for us it is really we don't have uh, um, fear for security we have many dogs but uh, it is a special light for many people for example truck drivers they come to us and they say you know we come from far away and the moment that we just see your light, we cross ourselves and we say, thanks be to God, I am home. They are young people that they say, we struggle every day and we just look on, uh, on, on, for, to the sky and we see our, your light and we just say, ah, nuns are praying for us. And it happened... For us, when, uh, when we arrived in this area, we had to, to buy a lot of practical things and we were in a big shopping center and there were some young people that they, um, they just look at us and they say, oh, nuns, nuns, nuns. And I said to them, yes, you know, because we need to come very often in this uh, uh, shopping center, 
you can look at us, we are nuns, and you can understand that we are nuns and we are living, do you see this light? We live there. And I have to tell you, I said to this young group of young people, that we are there for you, day and night, anytime. After some months, it was very late in the night, we had a night uh, liturgy, and we saw a light from a car. It was three o'clock in the morning. We went to the gate of the monastery and we found that it was a young fellow from this group of uh, which group we met in the, in the town with his dog. And he came to, to us. Uh, we said, what happened? He said, you know, all my life I remember my father and my mother struggling. Arguing all my life. And this was the night of Panagia, the night of the 15th of August. My mother's name is Maria and my father's name is Panagiotis. And really they have their name day tomorrow. And I came at home with uh, some sweets and I, I thought, ah, let us have a, a quiet night. But they continued to argue. And I decided to take my dog and go to the train lines and throw myself to this, to, to the next train, in front of the next train. And when I arrived to the lines, I just thought, let me pray before I die. And I looked on heavens and I saw your light. And I remember that you told us, if we need something, day and night, you are there. And I came. So this fellow, after 10 years that this happened, he has his family, he has a beautiful family, and he found a place that he comes from time to time and share with us the, the good moments and the bad moments. Another question? Yes. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yes. We, you know. Sorry, can you please tell us yes. about your mission in Africa? Your mission. We, um, all the monasteries, they are a great help to the church. <clears throat> uh, in our uh, tradition in Greece, I can't tell you from, from, from the monastery side that we don't have help. Uh, not economical help. We have only spiritual help from our diocese. We don't have economical help or, uh, but we help. Anytime that they ask us, can you do this? Can you do that? If we can, and it is not out of our monastic being, we just try. So, they, it was a group, it is a group of um, professors and uh, clergy that they help in the mission in Africa. They don't help so much with money, but they help, they help that because they go there and they give some lessons. So sometimes we send some sisters from 
our monastery because it happened that we are from 12 different countries and we speak languages, some languages. For example, I speak this terrible English, but you, I think they can be useful. My English, it can be useful. So we go together with a group of, um, of other teachers and we have, uh, we took part to, um, first, uh, once one sister went to the bushes where they came people who will become catechists, catechists, and they gave lessons to them, and they were women with their children. They lived very primitively together with them, and they, it was uh, it was something. It is something that we can give from the monastery to the church, and some other times we go. Another mission that we we do it is that we help we help. We have a little, a small monastery, which belongs to our monastery in Estonia. Estonia, you know, Estonia is a very small country, opposite to Finland. It was one of the Soviet Union countries. Before Soviet Union, it was 50% Orthodox. And then they had 96 years atheistic uh, teaching. They are, I think there is the most atheistic country all over the world. Of course, they are a hoofta people. They are 1,500,000. It's, it's funny for you to hear this number, I think. But they are very thirsty for their, for, for religious generally. So we are there the last five years. We have a small monastery. This monastery has other duties than a monastery in Greece. For example, they help very much in catechism. They help very much to translate in the language, in their language, the, the, the church books, liturgical books, to put in not heavy Byzantine music, but this music, the church music, our traditional church music, which is uh, more suitable for prey as this uh, polyphonic music that they have in Europe. They put uh, in Estonian uh, hymns and and um, liturgies and for about saints and so on. And they have really uh, a mission. They do a mission. Yes. Uh, just on what you were telling us then. Do you cater for the Greek population in countries like Estonia or for the local population? There is not Greek population in Estonia. Okay. It's not like here that Greeks came, so many Greeks here, and the church plays a role for them, first of all. It was necessary to have this Greek Orthodox church in order to, to, to keep your faith, to keep your, to learn your faith, because many people, they came here, being baptized but not knowing what they are to be, what there is to be orthodox. It was uh, this, what the Patriarchate made here to organize so well this Greek Orthodox Church. It is, uh, it is a door to, 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 to save you. I mean, all of you, not you personally, but generally it is something uh, not only to save the language, but to save really the orthodoxy inside every one of you. In Estonia, to be a Greek, it is uh, something exotic. I mean, who who Greek will go to Estonia to live? 
Estonia is a country who, where it is six months only light and six months only dark. I mean, and it's not a, not a country that uh, easily someone easily can find a work or they have a, a, a language which is very difficult for everybody. So it's not for the Greeks. It is. It belongs to the Patriarchate of Constantinople, and it is Esto- the 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 Church of the Estonians, which is known from the 12th century. People who travelled. Uh, sometimes on ships they uh, introduce orthodoxy already from the 12th century in Estonia. Another question? Excuse me. Sorry, you, I don't hear you. What's the most challenging part of monastic life? What is challenging? The most challenging thing is to forget yourself, to to offer for to, to, to understand how weak you are, to in our monastery I think what is my preaching to my nuns, it is to reach clean heart. <laughs> I don't know. If you, if, if you remember in the Psalms, the Psalms is a very big help for every person who has no words to pray. Because it is written, the Psalms are written from a person who understood that he's, he was a um, sinner and then he gives us the words to express everything what is in the Psalms, we are helped to do something. But for clean heart, it's not do clean heart, is give me God, create God in me clean heart. So the most difficult thing, I think, what we have to 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 reach in the in the spiritual life generally is to have clean heart. Uh, I can speak about clean heart uh, a whole day and night, but really think of it. How many how many dirty thoughts and dirty actions we do every day, which we have one day to replace them with cleanness. So this, this is uh, something that you, you can spend your whole life to reach, if you will reach, and this you reach only because God will help you to create it in your heart. But something also very uh, difficult in the monastery is to understand that you are the last we are always the last. You are the servant. You are the person who has to to give place for everybody else and have yourself as a 
diagon to, uh, to everybody, anybody. You know, they say, in Greek we say, we have a sentence, if you remember, varia i kalogeriki. I kalogeriki in a varia. It's heavy to become a monk. I don't know what you understand under that. But to tell you the truth, uh, the most heavy is not to sleep less, to fast very often, and to be far from the, the, so to say, good things of the world. This is not the, the most, um, the most uh, difficult thing. Difficult thing, thing is to accept your sister, to accept your next, and to love. Something else? <laughs> uh, welcome. Just in relation to what you were saying, uh, are monastics less sinners? Sorry? Are monastics less of being a sinner? No. No. <laughs> you know, have you got more being no, monastic? No, no. Listen, monastic, yep. you know, monastics have more sins. Really? You know why? Because they, they just try to look more deeply. You know, I was, we had a spiritual father who was confessor. He, if he will become a saint, he will be known as Dositheus the confessor. He gave time for people to confess. And if you forgot to go for confession, he would, you would found him in front of your door. <laughs> After two, three months, he said to us, take the car, we go to that place because this family forgot to confess and it's already two months. So he, he found the, the time that everybody's coming back home and he was in front of the door and he said, hello, I came to confess you. <laughs> so I remember... I, I drove this person very often to different churches where people were waiting for confession. Sometimes people, they didn't hear very well. And they, if you don't hear well, you speak loud. You speak, yeah. And I heard with my ears many times in the church, in the corner that father used to hear confession. Father, I don't have any sin. But I came here to, 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 to have a blessing from you. Ah, you, you, you came here because you have no sins. Do you speak with all your relatives? He used to say. Of course not, because <laughs> this relative of mine, he took my kleronomia, my heritage, Postolene. Uh, and I don't speak to my daughter-in-law because he is divorced with my son. And this and that and this and that. And father used to say, okay, go to, to, to just make well with everybody of your relatives and your neighbors and then come back. We, so what happened is that in the world, because we run very much 
And we, we have other duties to earn our money, to uh, raise our children, to go from college to college, from, I don't know, from karate to, to football and from I don't know where. You, you just drive your children. We don't have time and we don't have something which in the, in the spiritual life uh, uh, is named hisihia. We don't have this peace just look deeply ourselves. So when we arrive in the monastery, the first everybody is the experience for, from everybody, for everybody. We experience that we become sinners suddenly. This is my experience and the experience of our, of our nuns, of our sisters. I remember one sister, she said to me after six months she was in the monastery, you know, I became such a sinner here that I came. I said, what is your problem? Yeah, I was so good with my friends. They like to come home and to, that I cook for them. And, the, and I said, okay, when did they come, these friends, uh, in your house? You plan this. You invite them. You clean your house before you cooked something good. Everything was according to your will. But in the monastery, we don't live according to our will. So we become very sinners. <laughs> so that means we discover who we are really. We discover that it bothers us that the other person is speaking, for example, from, from, through the nose more than through the, the, the mouth. It, it bothers us everything in the beginning. Or we deepen in ourselves and we, we see that I am jealous. Suddenly I'm jealous. I was never jealous before, but I am. And other beautiful things that I can uh, tell you. So it's not that we have less sins. We have more sins. And also, you know, the sin is not, is here. It is written in the Bible. You, you make already the scene the moment that you think of it. So you can imagine that in the monastery, someone who is very sad that you are in the monastery is the devil. He's very sad. And he tries to put you thorns every day. And every day you just understand how weak you are. So the first, and the, when someone becomes monk, you know what we wish him or her? Kales ipomones. Good patience. Plural. Not good patience. Ipomoni. We say among us, can ipomoni. Make patience. If we translate uh, word to word. But to the monk, you don't say kane ipomoni. I wish you ipomoni, patient. I wish you ipomones. For what? For this devil game. But we have to face it every day, every night. And then this is a, either a great help to understand ourselves and go through and over or really to to lose the the game sometimes so <laughs> great sinners <laughs>
Good evening. Um, one question I have. Um, the people that would come, like the mothers that have older children. So you've got little children that listen to their parents, or hopefully, and then when the children become older. So when, if you do get um, parents that come to the monastery and have a time to put away their cares, when they start talking about their grown-up children who don't like to listen to advice, how would you help them deal with their struggle when the children say, we do it differently these days? They do what? Differently. So the children, the older children, they don't, say, we... they don't follow the parents to the to the spiritual life. You mean? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that this happens to all of us. Sometimes, sometimes we forget how we were when we were teenagers. We forget, and that's why we are very strict with our children, with your children, because really we forget. Uh, we forget also that the life has some uh, gaps, some, some holes, and we are in. And this happened to us too. And we forget also that the only thing that they, 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 it works in the soul of the children is the example. We forget also this. And many times, you know, we disappoint the children. The children, very often, they look their parents with one lupe, postolene, an afako, uh, to make them, to make their mistakes big. And they judge them very hardly. So this is normal, very normal. It happens to everybody. We judge also our parents. But after when we became, you became parents or we became older, we understand that they, 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 they had right what they try to teach us. So what the, the good example is very deep in their children's soul. And they carry it all their life and they, they, God gives them opportunity to use it one day. This good example. So I think we have, you have as parents, as grandparents to be good example. On the other side, what happened to you is that you, although you or your parents, they were face, they, they face very many difficulties, you try that your children have no difficulty in their life, that they are comfortable, they have everything, and you create people without borders. You don't put borders. You, you don't put, you don't say no. And you, this comes more and more and more. They come, many people in the monastery, to, to suggest, to ask us for, for, from help because of their children. And we te tell them, put some borders to your children. Even if they are, Older, if they are, for example, it, it came one woman uh, some days ago to me and she said to me, I have a problem. I have one son 
who told us that he is gay. And he wants me to accept him in the wedding of my other son with his partner. What shall I do? And to tell you the truth, I said to her, don't accept it. How it is possible that the children, they have all the freedom and you don't have the freedom to express what you think and what you feel and what you believe. So I think we lost sometimes the borders and parents, they have to, 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 to go back to, not to be, to be open, to hear them, to understand them, but to also to keep in the family something which has the smell of a family. This is uh, what is, and I think that you have to continue to go to the church, to continue, you are also free. And it depends if you have children that they are uh, very young, of course you have to keep close to them, but they have, you know, the children, we say, Pater Porphyrios, Saint Porphyrios used to say, when your children come very late in the house, they have to see you kneeling in front of Panagia and praying for them, not seeing you with the, I don't know if you have this expression, but I heard this in my English background, spanking spoon, I mean ready to to say hello, why and where did you be and so on, to see you kneeling in front of the Panagia and praying for them that they were late. And this is something with which they will soften their heart and help them to go through these difficulties that all of us... If I remember my, my youth, I think that uh, I have... Every day I think, oh, why I cannot anymore ask forgiveness my mother? I, I would... I, be, I make her crazy with what I invented to do in my youth. So... On the other side, you know, you as parents, you are creators. You help God as creator, but you are not save your children. God will save your children. So it has to do, what is your relationship with God? I don't know if you, if you have something against what I say, but this is what I think it is... Um, really important. <laughs> I don't know what's the time. And probably you have to go home. <laughs> and now? And now? Mm -hmm. so another question? I saw on uh, YouTube the other day a monk um, doing a, a talk and he said that, um, I think he was a confessor, I'm not sure, but he said that a lot of people come to him and ask him questions which um, really not fit to answer. And he gave an example of, um, what did he say? Um, 
where the fathers will say one thing and then a confessor will say something else. So I was just wondering, do you come across that sort of, or do you hear about situations like that where they conflict? Um, what, a, what a priest or a confessor will say compared to what the fathers will say and that conflict so you ask if the father, the father at home says something else? No, confesses, confesses. Conf- confesses compared to the fathers, mm-hmm. the church. Yes. On dogmatic issues or different issues of uh, no, sin. Okay. Um, you know the custom, really, it was that uh, every every person... I don't know if you 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 experience the the life of the parish. The parish is has to be one family. And in this parish normally, you know, confession is not a discussion. You don't we don't know, go to the confession in order in order to hear how much the confessor agree with me or not. Really confession is pure to confess your sins. So it's not a matter of opinion of the confessor for something. If you, if we speak about confession, if we speak about spiritual guidance, it's something else. So I don't know how is the, the everyday life of each person of yours here to tell you what is, what is the best to hear the confessor or the priest of the church. But this is something very, very personal, I think, and I think that uh, um, something we have to choose is the the confessor as confessor and the spiritual guide to have, you know, a real good spiritual guide doesn't give orders to anybody. Just suggest something which you have to adapt and you being free because our freedom as human beings is very important this we see this is the the, the greatest gift of god greatest present of god this is what happened in in paradise he gave he he created us free so the confessor really is not to suggest you do that or that. If it would be so, it would be a very great responsibility from the confessor and a very uh, easy way in the spiritual life. If we would but have one... You know, this, uh, this, you, as well, you know this, this game that we have, this game we have when we were uh, small, that we have a question and a lamp which uh, we try and the lamp says this is a correct answer. It's not in the spiritual life. It's not a correct answer and not correct answer. You have to see globally the soul of the person. What is, I remember, you, you remember that uh, this, it was a movement in Greece that everybody could be donator of organs. And we should write a paper if we want, if something happened to us, to donate our eyes, our kidneys, our something. And I remember our confessor heard from many people, shall I sign this? 
And he never answered. And when I asked him, what is, why you don't answer? Is it positive or negative to give, to be donator? And he said to me, you know, for someone who is humble, it's good for his soul to be donator. For someone who is egoist, it's not good. Because it, it, this, this donation can lead him to, to the hell. Because his egoism will become bigger. So this is not... Uh, to, to be spiritually guided, it's something very fine and very personal. So I, I don't think that... You know, I don't ask really... I tell you, don't ask many people. Found someone and ask one person. We are confused. The same is for the doctor. You go to the doctor, you say, I have a pain on my finger. One say, put a cream. The other one say, take antibiotics. And the third one say, cut it. (laughs) What will you do? So don't lead yourself to confusion. (laughs) Ask one person and create trust on love. And this is the best uh, recipe. (laughs) So I think that, um, forgive me again for my many words, Uh, we would like to ask you to pray for us because we are great sinners and we we try really to... uh, you know, I say to the people when we, we are with people, because they come to the monasteries, many guests, and they want to hear something about the history, and we speak sometimes with them. They come many schools, and they, we have a beautiful uh, possibility to say something. But at the end, I used to say, please pray to us, for us, that we wear these black monastic habits that we will never disappoint you. Because sometimes I know that we black people disappoint you sometimes. So please pray that we will not disappoint you generally. And pray for us that we are, because we are uh, really, we need your prayers and we will pray for you. Thank you very much. Through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, Lord Jesus Christ, our God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. May God bless you all and keep you well.